From the studios of the Private Client Network in Midtown Manhattan, welcome to Luxury on Location. This dynamic new podcast features conversations with luxury realtor Kevin Snedden, founder of the Private Client Network at Compass and his Private Client Network partners. In this, our ninth episode, Kevin will be speaking with Paul Suding, our Private Client Network partner in Santa Barbara. Paul is a driving force in the Santa Barbara luxury market, and here's why. A second-generation realtor, Paul is a veteran with over 30 years of real estate experience, during which time he's received numerous accolades from his industry peers. Adept at navigating complex contracts, Paul is laser-focused on the details and is a skilled negotiator. A Santa Barbara native, Paul possesses unparalleled knowledge of the local community and the overall real estate landscape. And in case anyone's counting, Paul and his team sold over $62 million in Santa Barbara luxury real estate in 2021. What we admire most about Paul is his warm demeanor, his unmistakable sincerity, and his overall dedication to his craft. We are so fortunate to have Paul in our private client network, and we are delighted to have him as our guest on Luxury on Location. Hello, Paul, and welcome to Luxury on Location. Hi, Kevin. Thank you. It's great to have you. You and I go way back, and you're one of my favorite partners in the network. I've said that to everybody so far, so <laughs> just want to put that out there. But I'm in good company. Yeah, but seriously. Well, I, I, actually, before we start, Kevin, I'd yeah. like to say to you, thank you for your insight and foresight in starting the Private Client Network about five years ago. I remember talking with you that initial conversation and was a little bit skeptical, and but it's turned out to be amazing to watch the growth of the private client network and to see the results and have that as a tool in our team's tool belt to use for helping and servicing our clients. So thank you very much for starting the private client network, Kevin. Appreciate that, Paul. And it's really about the people. I've been fortunate enough to have had join on people like yourself and your entire team. And it's really a compilation of amazing people. And that's what makes it so great. But it, it do, truly is. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. I do appreciate that. And I must say it is humbling if you think about the collective of amazing people that we have in this network. I feel blessed to have started it and the relationships I've built since day one and what I've learned about real estate. And as you know, there's a number of ways to be successful in our industry. I'm just so happy the way things have turned out. Yes. Impressive and really happy and grateful to be a part of it. Excellent. So let's get into it. Our listeners would be very curious to hear your overall background, you know, how you are doing real estate in Santa Barbara. Well, you know, it's interesting. I reflected on the question of how did I get into real estate? And the more I reflected on it, the more I realized that real estate actually kind of chose me. As a kid, I grew up one of seven kids. My father was a realtor back starting in the 60s. And my parents developed a business of acquiring and restoring and renovating turn-of-the-century houses in the Santa Barbara Historical District. Over the many years that they did it, they did about 65 homes, quite a few. However, my connection to all of that, my connection to real estate was, I've got to spend my weekends and most of my free time working on these 
old, ugly houses. And I developed an aversion, a resistance to real estate because it was something that I didn't really enjoy as a kid growing up that I was working all the time on these houses. There was one house that was a three-story Queen Anne Victorian that was probably over 10,000 square feet. And I was in charge of repairing and restoring all of the door hardware. And there were a ton of doors in that house. And so just as the weeks went by, I just, again, decided I didn't really like real estate and I was never going to go into real estate. So as my luck would have it, I was in college and became a member of a business club, a national business club. And the president of the club, who was one of my best friends, said, you should get involved in real estate in this club. And by the way, there's a state competition coming up and I put your name in for that competition and we're going to go to Sacramento or San Jose, I think it was, and compete in the state competition. So I did. I was 20 years old at the time and didn't have my license. But in the competition, I ended up placing second in the state for this real estate competition. The first and third place were practicing San Jose brokers. So it was kind of like, oh, here you are in this competition. And you kind of said to yourself, okay, well, I can do this and I'm not even licensed. That qualified me to go to national competition. So our chapter took a bunch of the students from this club and we all went to Washington, D.C. and did our separate business areas of competition. And I came out of it with fifth place overall in the nation, which was a pretty significant accomplishment. And so without really choosing real estate as my career, real estate started absorbing me. And of course, every dinner table conversation at my house with nine people at the table usually revolved around real estate or something that my parents were doing with their real estate venture. So I uh, proceeded in my uh, college education and said I wanted to become a management consultant, transferred from the local city college to Loyola Marymount, and realized I didn't want to get a PhD to do what I wanted to do. So I had had actually, my parents encouraged me to get my license as the fallback. So there's another way that real estate kind of chose me. I did get it. I was pretty good at taking tests, so it wasn't that difficult for me. So I got my license. Barrier to entry for being a realtor in California at that time was not very high. And so I had my license in the background. But when I decided I wasn't going to go to school for four more years, I came back and decided to apprentice with my father in his practice. He was an independent broker. So I did that for a couple of years and did various things for him and then decided I needed some formal training and went to the largest local company here at the time, which was Merrill Lynch Realty and progressed with them. I was awarded Rookie of the Year. I was the youngest realtor in Santa Barbara at the time and had aspirations of being in management to try that out. So in my 20s, I was a co-manager of a 55-agent office of Merrill Lynch and did many training sessions and learned that side of the business. Eventually, I had joined a high-end boutique firm in Montecito that had been recruiting me for a while, uh, changed directions and put my attention towards the luxury market, learned that. And then two of the agents that I, or brokers at that time, started a new company, some friends of mine, 
And I joined that company, which became the largest independent local brokerage over the next 20 years. And during that time, I was also a manager and training director for that company, which became the largest local company in Santa Barbara. And during that time, I became very involved with the California Association of Realtors and the National Association of Realtors and was president of the association in Santa Barbara and became involved in the state leadership of the association and then has since pulled away from that and given the attention to our team since we joined Compass. So that's a little bit of my background and how real estate kind of chose me despite my resistance, my early resistance uh, to the business. That's really an interesting story. And number one, the the multi-generational family aspect of real estate. There are so many multi-generational families that are in real estate. And the next generation that comes up, like when you were younger, it's sort of almost forced upon you. It's the family business and you have no choice but to participate in the family business. And then it not only becomes what you do, it really becomes who you are as a person. Well, young adults in their 20s during my era of 20s, no one grew up or came out of you know high school saying, I want to be a realtor. No one did. And that was just not the chosen vocation <laughs> for young people at this time. And it's amazing how many young people are in the business now, which is great. I love it. And I do a lot of mentoring and training with some of the younger agents. But yeah, that's just not the way it was at that time. And so it was kind of yeah, I was resistant towards doing it, but found that I was really good at it. And it was very, very enjoyable. And I became very passionate about it over the years as to my involvement with the volunteer involvement with the local, state and national associations. Now, you're definitely ahead of the curve. And these days, as you said, young professionals just fresh out of top schools, top business schools want to get right into luxury real estate. Yeah, one of our team members, Ryan Lowe, graduated from college and at 22 years old, did his first deal. Wow. And think of the head start these youngsters have. (laughs) 22, your first deal. By the time you're 30, you are a seasoned real estate agent. Yeah, and that's kind of how it was for me at 30 years old. I was established, you know, with seven, eight years in the business at that time. So can you take us now through your market, Santa Barbara and the surrounding areas that make up Santa Barbara, just such a fascinating real estate market. It'd be great if you could give us a a broad overview. You know, and traveling the state and the nation, seeing some of the other associations and just the real estate landscape, Santa Barbara really is geographically and from a market perspective, very unique. So our market, it's all coastal. Santa Barbara, our market stretches from Rincon Point, which is a world-class surf spot to the south on our coast, and then to the north at the beachfront Bacara Resort. So it's roughly 15 miles or so north to south. And the distance from the coast that is populated and developed is only about the way, you know, as the bird flies, only about two miles inland. So you have basically a coastal stretch about no more than usually two three miles wide down along our coast. So it's all very local and concentrated. And then you have the mountainous coastline below Santa Barbara that geographically separate us from the Ventura and Los Angeles County. So it's kind of a a little island in the central coast. The other interesting thing about Santa Barbara, just from a desirability standpoint, is our coastline runs east-west 
and is at about the same latitude as the Mediterranean coastline, which is why Santa Barbara is often referred to as the Riviera of the United States. And we have that same very temperate weather pattern here. So for the most part, it's uh, 70 degrees and sunny in Santa Barbara all year round. So our markets are, uh, we have very interesting sub-markets within our Santa Barbara market. And they range from what you can buy now as a one-bedroom, one-bath condo for about a half a million to, you know, what Adam Levine just bought in Montecito for $52 million and everything in between. And there are the micro-communities of luxury and historic uh, aspects and the original founders of Santa Barbara came here in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And so Santa Barbara does have that history and architecture behind it to make it a very interesting and unique place to live in terms of houses, in addition to the very, very desirable weather here. So if someone's coming up, say, from L.A. and they want to buy a weekend place in Santa Barbara and they have a budget of 10 to 20 million. I mean, where do they want to be? Do they want to be in Montecito? Do they want to be on the ocean? Like, where do they want to go? So it's a good question. Everybody's got their different desires about what they want to do or where they want to be in Santa Barbara. For $20 million, you can buy a George Washington Smith designed home, which those of you that are not maybe familiar with George Washington Smith, he was one of the more prominent architects of Spanish colonial revival and definitely in California. And he did many, many homes. He lived, he resided, he designed, he worked in Santa Barbara. And so that's a classic desirable type of real estate that someone would want for $20 million. There's one for sale in what's called our Golden Quadrangle of Montecito for $20 million that's been renovated, does not have ocean views at the $20 million, which many people would expect. And then, you know, for $20 million, you can get a pretty decent uh, oceanfront or blufffront property, depending on what part of Santa Barbara you're in. You should be able to get something pretty nice for $20 million, Kevin, and it, you could be on the beach, you could be on the hillside with ocean views, or you could be in a very classic, restored, architecturally significant property. So what's the draw to Montecito? You know, we read about Oprah and Ellen DeGeneres, and like you just said, Adam Levine. Is it the privacy? Is it the seclusion? Like, how large are those estates? The property that Adam Levine bought was just a bit over two acres, but you really, to have those estate-sized properties, you want at least two acres to have the multiple buildings and that part of the zoning allowances for Santa Barbara Montecito. But Montecito just has a very relaxed, I won't say slow paced, but a relaxed pace of lifestyle. There's a lot of vegetation, a lot of topography, a lot of interesting streets. Nothing is on a grid. It's all unique, smaller lanes and private driveways. So you have this sense of privacy and anonymity, but just a very relaxed and very friendly environment and uh, cross-section of people. And there's commerce there too, which makes it very convenient for people that don't want to leave and go into the more significant shopping areas. There's commerce in Montecito, two separate uh, villages, we call them the upper village and lower village, that provide a lot of services that people don't have to leave the Montecito community for. And there's a huge array and large choice of restaurants in our lower village on what's called Coast Village Road. and those that have purchased second homes in Montecito that lived in LA, Kevin, 
all come up on the weekend and, you know, spend their time. And you can see the surge in activity and busyness in those two commerce villages of the lower and upper village. Paul, can you take us through the COVID dynamic, what COVID did to the Santa Barbara marketplace? Yes. Well, as I think some of us, if any realtors are listening to this, and I'm sure you had the same concern, Kevin, in March of 2020, none of us knew if we were going to be selling any more real estate again. Things quickly changed over the next couple of months. And as people realized that it wasn't just going to be a month long or a two month long pandemic and response to it, people started making their different life plans and expecting that they had to be in the lockdown status for some period of time. So because Santa Barbara is such a special place and a great retreat from the metropolitan areas, it all of a sudden got a lot of attention. And then because of some of the celebrities that have transacted real estate here, it gets that much more attention. And anybody that has visited here completely understands it. And I think that (laughs) it's one of those cellular experiences that you have when you're in an environment that feels welcoming and comfortable and safe. And that's definitely a factor for a lot of the people that moved in to Santa Barbara or bought second homes from metropolitan areas as they wanted to be uh, secure and feel safe. And Santa Barbara Montecito offers that. So I imagine a number of folks relocated up from Los Angeles. Yeah, and of course, everybody was working remotely at that point. And so with no traffic, you can get to LA in 90 minutes. If there's traffic, <laughs> check ways. But it's pretty close. And that's exactly what some of these high wealth individuals were looking for, is someplace close but a very safe and secure retreat from their business or whatever they might have to be doing in Los Angeles or even San Francisco. Are these second and third homes or predominantly primary residences for people? The luxury properties, yes, for sure, Kevin. I mean, second, third, fourth homes sometimes, but I would say the majority of them are second homes and people that were coming up from Los Angeles and deciding whether or not they wanted to be in Santa Barbara or Montecito permanently as their primary or keep a primary in Los Angeles. But yeah, I'd say the majority of these luxury purchases were second homes. So you told us about a $52 million sale. Any other blockbuster sales in the last 12 months or so? Well, Ellen just bought another property. (laughs) Your friend Ellen? Your friend Ellen? My friend Ellen, yes. She's a large driving force in our luxury market. It's very funny. I think probably, I don't know, I'm just going to throw out a number of guesses. For our transactions over 10 million, she's probably involved in about 20% of them. So she's constantly, constantly doing it. She just sold a house in a gated community called Innisbrook for 13 million. But the one she just bought was just over 20. And it was a very eclectically designed combination of different styles inspired by the Alhambra in Granada, Spain, combined with a few other architectural styles. So very unique. And so she's buying it. She's going to, I'm sure, tone it down a bit. And it's in an A++ location in the golden quadrangle of Montecito. So that was a $22 million sale, I think. Yeah, $21 million sale. So she's just a serial house flipper at this point. She's a serial house flipper. You know, she and, you know, she lives in them. She enjoys them for a period of time. And but something that's uh, been fruitful for her. And as she 
we know very well the broker that represents her and she enjoys it. You know, she enjoys it. She gets these wins and we've had these calls before from her broker says, Hey, Paul, can we show your house in 20, show your listing in 20 minutes? And first thing we say is, well, who's the client? And then, you know, we hear who it is and then we go, you know, yeah, we'll be there. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, anyway, yeah, so she's out on the uh, looking uh, frequently, but I think she's got her hands full with the property she just purchased. So let's move into your business. Can you take our listeners through sort of your team structure, how you run your business and what you feel differentiates you and your team in the marketplace? You know, it's, yeah, we don't have this huge team and we're not operating at the level that, say, RE, Afshar in Los Angeles is. And the primary core of our team is myself, Bridget Murphy, the other side of Suiting Murphy Group, and then our younger partner, Sean McIver. And he's a millennial, so he balances out our veteran experience and more. uh, how do we say it nicely? Our, our uh, years of experience uh, with all of the, you know, with the enthusiasm and the energy that he has. So our core team is Sean, Bridget, and myself. The other two members of our team are Ryan and Nicole, and they are doing their business mostly independently of our business, but they take overflow clients and they support us and we support them. Like I said, Ryan is a newer agent, so he's getting mentorship, but he just opened his second escrow yesterday. So he's often flying and we're supporting him in that. But our primary business is generated from referrals. We are reliant on our client base and some of the other businesses that we do business with. And just from friends, we get all of our business virtually through referrals. And we've established a really strong reputation. And all the years that I was in real estate prior to joining Compass, that was what I gave a lot of attention to was my reputation. And before I joined forces with Bridget, I was always trying to exceed expectations for professionalism, quality service, and integrity. And so one of the other things that has been interesting with our business is that the listings that we do represent, the properties and sellers that we do represent, have been all very high quality, very interesting architecturally and location-wise, view-wise. And so we've had this history of representing really great properties. Yeah, that's a point of differentiation because your market's the polar opposite of a cookie cutter market. Yeah, and and I think in the introduction that it was mentioned that I have a, a pretty sharp knowledge of our area. So we've joked about this, but oftentimes if you give me an address in Santa Barbara of a property, I can usually tell you what it looks like and what it's next to. I have a really, you know, we have a very complete understanding and depth of knowledge for our community and the real estate in it. And so that's very helpful. And also I have a background in with having done all of the work with my parents in their renovation of houses. I have a pretty good understanding of construction and that often helps in helping our clients uh, strategize through their transactions as to how they go about it. But yes, our differentiation, I think, is the extremely strong reputation that we built and the level of professionalism quality that we deliver. The other part about our differentiation is that we put a lot of effort into our relationships with the brokers in Santa Barbara. We are fortunate 
Kevin, to be in a market that has, well, right now we have, I think, in the neighborhood of of about 1,400 association members. But it's a fairly small brokerage community. And so for the most part, the agents that are working in our market uh, full-time as full-time professionals, we all know each other. And we know that we'll be working with each other at some point in the future, likely. And there's some agents that we've had multiple transactions with, coincidentally, over the last five years. It's kind of uncanny how we keep going back to these agents. But in developing these strong relationships with the other brokers, we have a lot of benefits from that that we can offer our clients. Obviously, properties that aren't on the market. Also, consideration when there's multiple offers, who's representing the buyer if we're representing a buyer. And so that's been measurably helpful for our business is having those really strong quality relationships with the other brokers that are doing business in Santa Barbara. And that really, for us, makes a difference. And just from another viewpoint, Kevin, one of our focuses as a team in terms of our client service is the top three things for us to pay attention to when we're working with our clients is listen, listen, listen. So we really try and pay attention to what our clients want and read between the lines sometimes, help them when they don't know what they want, and really come up with the best strategy for their objectives in real estate. And so we try and obviously cater and design our service and our strategy with that particular client in mind and how it will best serve them. For us, it's whatever is in the best interest of the client. Sometimes they don't know it, sometimes they do, but we try and help them bring them to that point. And we've had very good success in that approach to our business. It's very interesting when people that are newer to our business, they think it's a transaction business. And I always tell them it's a relationship business. And they think it's a sales business. And I say, I do more listening than talking. And it's really, you know, my personal guide as is yours and everyone in our network and anyone who's good at what they do in the real estate arena, you're guided by what's in the best interest of your client or you won't have a client. Completely. I mean, we were in this for the long term. I think the intro said over 30 years of experience. Well, (laughs) I've accumulated a few more since that was written. And it's just, yeah, you, you, you try and learn from all of your past experiences and bring the best to the table for each client uh, that you work with. When we prospect, Kevin, our prospecting is going back to our client database and just making a connection with them. And invariably, after half a dozen phone calls to our past clients, we'll pick up one or two pieces of business, whether it's a listing or a new buyer, just by having a conversation with our clients and talking about real estate, which is always a favorite topic of conversation with anybody these days. Yeah, no, and I tell people that, again, that are newer to this business that you go back to the well, where are you getting business from and go back, you know, and that's why cultivating those relationships beyond any transaction is so critical. So, yeah, I mean, we've, of course, like many good, successful realtors have developed tremendous friendships with a lot of our clients that we maintain the friendship with way beyond uh, any transaction. Yeah, and the relationships based on trust and that you can see how that leads to a friendship. Yes. And I think that's when we go in fresh for a listing appointment, first time meeting with a client, that listening part is a key component to gaining trust with our clients and letting them know and make sure that they know that we have their best interests in mind. 
So let's move into the lifestyle aspects of Santa Barbara. Can you take our listeners through what you feel is the ultimate sort of, what's a perfect day for you in, in Santa Barbara? You know, this might need another podcast, quite honestly, Kevin, because <laughs> I was making a list of activities that are common, not one-offs, but common in Santa Barbara. So I'm going to read off a list very quickly for you, just so you could kind of get a sense. Sure. There is just a literally limitless uh, activity and recreation available. Okay, so I'm a cyclist, so I know that uh, Stephen is also. We have amazing cycling in Santa Barbara. In fact, they had a, a stage of the Tour of California, which was a stage race, the biggest stage race in the United States for professional cycling. All the European teams show up for this. Right on a street we used to, Bridget and I used to live on, they did a hilltop finish on this road that was a six-mile climb for road cyclists. Uh, so anyway, so the cycling in Santa Barbara is second to none. We have a lot of professional cyclists that come and train here. So mountain biking, road cycling, there's even a BMX track in Santa Barbara. So, you know, you can get your kids started in cycling with BMX. Okay. Hiking, backpacking, rock climbing, hang gliding, a lot of hang gliding here, surfing. Of course, there's surfing, big sport here, running, swimming, and then all of the city league Sports, you know, soccer, softball, kickball, beach volleyball. Beach volleyball is big here. Karch Karai grew up here. He's one of the top beach volleyball players in the world. Sailing, big sailing, boating community here. Fishing, there's commercial fishermen here, but there's also a lot of leisurely fishing. Kite surfing is big here. The islands provide some amazing kayaking experiences. We even have a hockey rink here. And then not to forget, there's a huge equestrian community here. So the uh, amount of activities that you can do between the mountains and the ocean within that two to three mile width of coastline is pretty much unlimited. And so that's a big draw for people in Santa Barbara. But if I were to pick a, a perfect day for Santa Barbara, I would get up and uh, go outside and look at the sunshine and smell the fresh air because there's plenty of fresh air here. Probably go to breakfast at a nice little bakery on uh, Coast Village Road called Janine's, one of my favorite places, but there's awesome restaurants and breakfast places all over Santa Barbara. Probably go take a bike ride or do a hike with Bridget. Bridget and I ride. I used to race competitively at an elite level for many years and got a, a couple of state championships and, and competed at the national level too, but have retired since then. And so Bridget and I ride a tandem bike together, which is one of our sources of activities and recreation. And then, uh, you know, after a bike ride or a nice hike in our foothills, we'd probably go down to the beach, which would take, if you went from the uh, mountains to the beach, it might take you 10 minutes. And so you can stick your feet and take your uh, shoes off, stick your feet in the sand and take a nice walk along one of our beautiful beaches. And then there's any of the other activities that I mentioned that you might do or just, you know, again, a walk on the beach is a very uh, common and pleasant activity in Santa Barbara. And there's so many great choices for restaurants in Santa Barbara, but one of our favorite places, which is kind of a local's favorite, but here's your tip for any of the listeners, Probably the best clam chowder west of the Mississippi is at a little restaurant in our harbor called the Brophy Brothers. Great seafood overlooking where the commercial fishermen bring their fish in. So that's quite cool in terms of a place to eat and have dinner and watch the sailboat masts in the harbor sway back and forth. 
And there are theaters and live performance offerings in Santa Barbara. We have a symphony in Santa Barbara, several movie theaters, again, endless restaurants, and no shortage of things to do or places to good places to eat in Santa Barbara. How are the hotels, resorts? Unfortunately, the Biltmore Hotel has been closed since the beginning and during the pandemic. However, the San Ysidro Ranch, which is a world-class resort and actually has one of my Bridget's and my favorite restaurants in it is open. The Bacara Resort is open. The waterfront hotels in downtown Santa Barbara are all open. So there's in Santa Barbara became a very easy place to go to for a getaway drive for the day from Los Angeles or points south of us, since it only takes an hour, two hours to get here. So yeah, that was a big component. I think it's a, it's also popular for destination weddings. Completely, yeah. We often, my daughter got married about five years ago, and I remember her looking for a venue and how many choices there are for wedding venues. It's a very favorite place for weddings. We are hoping, the Biltmore is our kind of a queen hotel in Santa Barbara because it's oceanfront. But yeah, we're all hoping that that gets uh, opened up in the next year or so. It's really amazing. I can see. Oh, I'm sorry, Kevin. And I can't neglect to mention the Rosewood Miramar Hotel and the Belmond El Encanto. Also along the lines of the San Ysidro Ranch world-class hotels and resorts. The Miramar Hotel was Caruso Hotel that he took from basically ramshackle structures to a brand new property. And that is oceanfront. So that's gotten most of the attention for people visiting for that want luxury accommodations in Santa Barbara is the Miramar, Rosewood Miramar. And if you think of the weather, the scenery, and all there is to do in Santa Barbara, you can see why it's such a special place. Yeah, I mean, simply just on a very simple base level, the weather itself and the picturesque scenery of Santa Barbara are enough to bring many people here to live permanently. The university here, UCSB, brings a lot of people in. Their enrollment is about 22,000 undergrad and I think under 5,000 for grad students. But Bridget Murphy, my partner, went to school there, learned about Santa Barbara that way, and now lives here. And that's very common for people that have gone to school here as they come back once they've succeeded in whatever venture they've gone on to and want to live here. So as you might imagine, we have a number of realtors out there that listen to this podcast. So what would you say to someone that wanted to break into their real estate market in Santa Barbara? So one of the things that I think would be important, and we've seen this transition over the years, it's hard to start as an individual agent in any market, but if you're starting out and even if you're coming from a different market and you want to get in, it's always good to be part of a team. Santa Barbara has so many micro markets that it's helpful to learn them from someone that knows them. And so joining a team would get you there faster instead of trying to do it all yourself. But again, it's about the relationships, Kevin. The Santa Barbara market is very small and you've got to develop your relationships and that will get you the business. And so one of the things that I did earlier in my career was I was, I'm a motorcycle enthusiast and as I mentioned, was a elite a cyclist. And so I was members of clubs and teams. And then the motorcycle side, I was a member of the motorcycle clubs that were here. I got a lot of business from just being part of the things that I like to do. So if you like to golf or, by the way, I'd never mentioned all the golf courses that are here. There's a on my list of activities, there's a lot of golf courses. Whatever your passion or chosen activity is, you'll find 
people that do that, that you can establish relationships with. And everybody buys and sells real estate pretty much in Santa Barbara. So that can be your introduction to businesses becoming part of the community and integrating yourself and you'll get business from that. So what would you say to someone who is thinking about relocating to Santa Barbara? As a uh, principal? Yeah. You know, this is the market that you'd rather be a seller than a buyer. The market's very competitive, but people go all in to live in Santa Barbara. And so you have, if someone's looking to be in Santa Barbara as they have a second home or a primary residence, if you appreciate and love Santa Barbara, you'll do what it takes to get here. And there's a lot of choices for real estate that can make you happy. We sold a two bedroom, one bath, less than thousand square foot turn of the century cottage in a very popular area close to the beach for a million six fifty. And our clients are ecstatic. And it's just a little, for them, it's a little beach cottage. And they're really happy about being in Santa Barbara. And there's something for everybody here. But usually those that want to live here understand it and they're committed to make it happen no matter what. And usually have to sac- sometimes have to sacrifice other things to live here. So, Paul, this has been a really interesting conversation. I can see why you and Bridget are so successful in Santa Barbara. And again, I'm so pleased to have you in the private client network. I've learned a lot from you guys, and I look forward to learning even more and collaborating in the future. Thanks for being a guest on Luxury on Location. My pleasure, Kevin. Thank you for Private Client Network. And I'm really looking forward to, Bridget and I are both really looking forward to seeing everybody in Chicago in a couple weeks. Thank you, Kevin. A sincere thank you to Paul Suiting for being our featured guest on our ninth episode of Luxury on Location. That was an amazing conversation, which we sincerely hope our listeners enjoyed. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. We understand there are a multitude of podcasts out there, so we appreciate that you chose Luxury on Location for your listening pleasure. We hope to see you back for Episode 10, when Kevin Snedden will be our featured guest discussing New York City, the most dynamic luxury real estate market in the world. In the meantime, please check out the Private Client Network at Compass, your nationwide resource for luxury real estate. We operate in virtually every luxury real estate market in the country. You can find us at theprivateclientnetwork.com or on Instagram at privateclientnetwork. Until next time. We'd like to thank the sponsors of this episode of Luxury on Location. Experience luxury vehicles like never before. Are you tired of being locked into leases? Join Motor Envy. No commitment, no maintenance, no headaches. All drive. Visit MotorEnvy.com forward slash LOL to receive your exclusive access, courtesy of Luxury on Location. Greenwich International Film Festival is an all-female-founded nonprofit organization that harnesses the power of film to serve the greater good by bringing to attention important issues related to basic human rights, education, the environment, and healthcare. GIF offers films, panels, and special events throughout the year, including the prestigious Changemaker Gala, which will take place May 25, 2022, and will honor Lin-Manuel Miranda for his work with the Miranda Family Fund. To learn more about GIF, our events, and membership opportunities, please visit GreenwichFilm.org.